Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I am joined by Kirsten Mellet, who is a registered dietitian specializing in polycystic ovarian syndrome, or better known as PCOS, and eating disorders. She herself has overcome binge eating disorder and has learned to manage PCOS through intuitive eating. And Kirsten was actually recommended to me by somebody who is going to be attending my Costa Rica self-love retreat this coming December. And they were recently diagnosed with PCOS. And I selfishly asked if there was anybody that she was following online who was helping navigate that in a non-diety manner. I've actually had in my head to do an episode about self-love and anti-diet and learning to love your body while struggling with chronic illness. So if you have something like PCOS or even IBS or Crohn's or so many of these chronic illnesses that are very often diagnosed with a side serving of just lose weight and everything will be okay kind of messaging from doctors. And I know that's something a lot of people deal with and especially those who struggle with PCOS because that also affects your mood and your cravings and your hormones and fertility and so many things that are just 
so emotionally charged. So I have a lot of compassion for you if that is a journey that you're on right now. So I've invited Kirsten because she has a passion for empowering others through education while fighting against diet culture. And this episode is all about how to manage PCOS in a non-diety way. So our intention with this episode is to make anyone who's struggling with chronic illness feel seen and heard and understood because learning how to stop dieting, eat intuitively, listen to your body and really love your body is already hard enough as it is, but even more so when your body is in pain. And the most important thing to remember is that even if you feel pain or dis-ease in your body, remember that your body is still trying to do everything it can to keep you alive and functioning as well as it can, given its limitations. So a lot of people tell me, Mary, how do I learn how to love my body when I feel like it's fighting against me? And I tell them, no, honey, your body is always fighting for you, even when it doesn't feel like it. And oftentimes pain is our body's way of being like, hey, slow down, we need rest, or we need medicine, or we need help, or something like that. Your body is never ever fighting against you. It is always fighting for you. So if you have PCOS or Crohn's or IBS or celiacs, know that there are non-diet approaches that you can take to manage those symptoms and those ailments. It's just about finding the right medical professional who will listen to you and who will help you and who will approach it in a holistic way while also keeping mental health into account because that is very important. Again, I hear all the time and I've dealt with this where you walk into the doctor's office and something is wrong and the doctor will literally be like, well, if you just lose a couple of pounds or if you just eat healthy, then everything will be better. And all of that advice, not only is it so generic and arbitrary, it often lacks so much evidence and nuance and personalization. So it just makes me really, really upset that more medical professionals don't have more training, especially when it comes to the effects of disordered eating or dieting on disordered eating and eating disorders and mental health in general. So that's another tangent for another day. And today, without further ado, let's get into this episode about how to manage PCOS without dieting with Kirsten Mellett. Hello, Kirsten. Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm excited to be here. I was actually recommended to you by one of my retreat sisters who recently got diagnosed with PCOS. And I emailed her back and I was like, hey, selfishly, I would love to know if you have found any non-diety PCOS dietitians and nutritionists, because I know that PCOS is something so many women these days struggle with or just chronic illness in general. And that can add an extra layer of difficulty to healing your relationship with food and body. And I just have so much compassion for that. And I stumbled on your page thanks to the recommendation. And I was like, so thrilled. I kind of squealed a little bit (laughs) because it's just so it's rare to find a nutritionist that gets it. It is. It's hard, but there's a couple of us out there and it has been an amazing space to be in because there's so many people, like you said, that deal with PCOS. It affects like 10% of women. And then on top of it, struggling with like 
eating disorders or just your relationship with food in general is so tough. And so to be able to kind of combine those two worlds has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm perpetually shocked that the two worlds aren't naturally combined in the medical system because it seems like doctors have a lot of space for a little more education on the mental impacts of what they're recommending, which oftentimes is dieting or weight loss. And I lived vicariously over the past few years with my best friend because she has PCOS and she would go to the doctor and he would be like, just lose some weight. (laughs) And it was very discouraging. So I'm wondering if that was your experience or if that's experience that your clients deal with. Totally. That is the number one issue I deal with. So I personally was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 14. And I was told that same thing right off the bat, like just cut out carbs, try and lose weight, and it'll fix everything. And I tried that for years and got really stuck in that dieting cycle. And just learned to like really hate my body and feel like I was constantly battling it. And that was so tough. And then I kind of found intuitive eating and started dipping my toes in the body positivity, health at every size movement, and really kind of found my place there. But it's something every single one of my clients deals with too, is that weight stigma in the medical world. And like you said, the mental health aspect of it that plays into it. And it is so tough. Mm -hmm. What was that like being diagnosed at 14? And can you tell us a little bit more about what PCOS is, the symptoms, like what led you to the doctor and and how you kind of navigated through that? Yeah, I was really lucky in a way because my mom had PCOS. So we kind of knew what to look for. And it was really the irregular periods, some of the facial hair, acne, hair loss that kind of tipped us off as to some hormone imbalance being present. So to be diagnosed with PCOS, you have to have two of the three diagnostic criteria that they have. So it's having irregular periods, having high testosterone levels, or at least the symptoms of high testosterone. And then having, they call cysts on the ovaries, they're really just like immature follicles. So having two of those three kind of signs is what gets you a diagnosis. Unfortunately, a lot of us will get diagnosed and then it kind of gets swept under the rug of, oh, just come back when you want to get pregnant or just go on birth control or just lose some weight versus actually addressing the issue. Mm. So how did you address the issue when you were 14? And was your mom helpful with that since she was dealing with it too? Unfortunately, I feel like my mom was also very much kind of stuck in the diet mentality at the time. And so in her best efforts, and, and she did it from a place of love for sure, but She was putting me on Weight Watchers and trying to get me to go to the gym with her and do those types of things that long-term were definitely not helpful. (laughs) But it was so hard. It was so overwhelming and confusing. And so I finally got to a place where I was like, I'm just going to do my own research and figure this out for myself. And that's where in college, that was really my focus. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. That really led me to the like nutrition and dietetics world. And that's kind of where my, my career left from. But it is a lot of information out there. A lot of it is misleading and confusing. So I definitely empathize with anyone that is diagnosed and struggling through that initial confusion and feelings of being overwhelmed. What was your college experience like? I take it you studied nutrition. I did. 
Yes, I went to college at Brigham Young University in Utah, and I studied nutrition and dietetics to become a dietitian. It was really interesting because we kind of were split in a lot of different ways with different professors of some of them in more of the traditional, you just need to lose weight mindset. And then we had some more, I'm not sure what the word is, but a little bit more open to the concepts of intuitive eating, more educated in the health at every size movement. And so I kind of got to see both sides of those and figure out for myself what direction I really wanted to go. Was that a healing experience for you? Because I've heard both things from people who studied nutrition, because a lot of people initially went into it thinking that it was just going to help them control their weight more and diet better and learn all the science behind dieting and just like really escalated their disordered eating. And then I've also heard from other people that it just gave them a more holistic representation of of food and biology and all the science courses that you have to take. So what was that like for you? Luckily, I was already kind of on my way on the recovery path from binge eating disorder and some of my struggles with food. And learning about the nutrition, learning about the anatomy of the body really helped me to neutralize food in a lot of way. It made it just like a lot more objective and logical in my mind. And it also allowed me to have a little bit more compassion with my body of understanding how it works and all the ins and outs and really growing an appreciation for everything it does. So for me, it was very healing and it was beneficial. And that's what I try to give to my clients as well as that education that's really empowering versus the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So tell us about how PCOS can impact your relationship with food and your body and just how to navigate that, whether you're dealing with PCOS or any type of chronic illness. There's a lot of people in my community that are like, have a severe allergy to gluten or straight up celiacs or there's Crohn's and there's so many things like that. I feel like, especially these days, where we have the science to figure things out and label them, but we haven't yet researched enough to figure out what to do with them besides just the typical, quote unquote, eat clean and stay healthy and exercise, just like very generic advice. And again, especially for those in recovery or just have had a past of disordered eating, that can be a little bit extra triggering because you're just stuck. What's that phrase? You're stuck between something and a high horse. No? What is that? <laughs> rock and a hard place. I yes. don't know. One of those. Yes. High horse. Why did I think that? Yes. A rock and a hard it's place. Okay. <laughs> you were riding horses this week, weren't you? So maybe that's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so anytime you have a chronic illness, whether it's hormone related or like you said, Crohn's or anything really, it can feel like it puts you at odds with your body. And that is one of the most difficult things is feeling like your body isn't working or it's betrayed you in some way. And so working to heal that relationship is a journey. It's a process. And to really start on that journey, I think, again, you have to kind of come from a place of compassion and saying, okay, my body is trying its best. And now I just need to do what I can to support it and help it and know that it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. And But it's doing what it can and you have to do what you can, but there's no perfection. So it's kind of getting out of that like black and white mindset and really just finding the gray area of being able to still like live and enjoy food, but also use it as a means to help your body when possible. So as far as PCOS goes, 
I really like to work on neutralizing food, making peace with food, making peace with your body. And then the gentle nutrition and the movement really comes in where it's focusing on foods you can add in that are going to help your body or focusing on behaviors that you can add in like movement when it feels good and just learning to listen to your body and honor it as much as possible. So that's like a very general (laughs) kind of concept there, but it gives you some idea of where I come from. Tell us more about gentle nutrition. Of course, the common misconception is if I'm not dieting, then I'm not eating healthy and screw it. Or And a lot of people with kids who want to instill holistic, well-rounded eating habits into their kids don't really know how to navigate that without being diety. So I know gentle nutrition can be the solution for that. And I believe it's one of the principles of health at every size, but it's like the very last one after you've healed your relationship with food and body. Yeah, gentle nutrition is, it's the very last step of intuitive eating, which it's important that is the last one because it's just a little cherry on top. And you can look at food objectively while still recognizing its nutrition because every single food has something to contribute, right? Whether it's carbohydrates that give our body energy or whether it's vitamins or omega-3s that have anti-inflammatory effects. Every food has something beneficial to contribute. So it's just, finding and recognizing what those are and being able to add them in when you can, when it's accessible to you, when you have that ability to choose those foods. So as far as PCOS goes, there's often an issue with what's called insulin resistance. And that's kind of like the pre-pre-diabetes where your body just doesn't quite break down sugars the correct way. And so something I do with my clients is helping them understand how to balance meals, how to add in a protein, a fat, a carb, fiber, all the different components so that it's balanced and your body can handle it a little bit better. And we also focus on adding in anti-inflammatory foods or adding in foods that are beneficial for your gut microbiota and things like that. So your foundation is always going to be eating when you can, what you can, and having that consistency. And then as you have that foundation, then you're able to build on it with adding in the beneficial foods, making them balanced and well-rounded while still staying as objective about it and as neutral as possible. Mm. What is the best piece of advice or the best mindset that you embodied when it came to intuitive eating and learning how to do that while managing PCOS? I feel like the biggest thing would just be it's not about perfection. It's just about consistency. We're not on track, off track, like we often think of with dieting. But this is just, it's like a journey where sometimes it's going to be harder and sometimes it's going to be easier. And sometimes you're going to be wondering where the trail is. And sometimes it's going to be clear as day, but it's not just, again, that kind of black and white. We're living in the gray area and there's so much beauty in that. And so just realizing like, Every meal, every day is a new opportunity to connect with your body and help it and listen to it and start again. Like it's, it's not, I'm going to start on Monday. I'm doing a diet. It's not, I failed, but it's, I'm learning from my experiences and I'm moving forward and reapplying and adapting the things that I learn as I go. Mm -hmm. I love that. One of the principles that I teach is like, live your life moment to moment. Because when we're in the black and white, like 
diet world, it's kind of like, okay, we'll start fresh tomorrow or I'll start fresh Monday or, okay, I'm going to just binge eat now. And then, you know, September 1st or whatever it may be, we always have like a date or something, whether it's a wedding, an event, a photo shoot, or just, just anything. We're always kind of like living in the future and then deciding these like weird diety timelines <laughs> based on what we see online. And instead, we can live our life moment to moment. Like if you binge ate at 11pm, you can practice self compassion at 1101. And you don't have to wait until Monday or be perfect or whatever. You can always, always take like the next logical step based on what you learned. So I really, really extra, extra love that. <laughs> yeah, it helps because it is a completely different mindset. And that is one of the hardest things is getting out of that diet mentality and kind of shifting into this new world of compassion. And our world wants us to really hate our bodies and live in this like negative mindset. But once you break out of that, it is a whole new world. And it is so freeing and liberating. And it's not easy, especially because we're still in the world that bombards you with all these negative things, but it gets so much better. Yeah. Tell us about your experience with binge eating. It's such a a big, scary part of the diet cycle. And a lot of us don't realize that it is just a a byproduct of dieting. But I can imagine that that was, again, extra difficult to navigate when you have, you know, doctors telling you to eat a certain way or else this health condition is going to flare up. Well, binge eating disorder is like five to six times more likely in those with PCOS. And I think it's because of a lot of those different factors of doctors telling you to eat a certain way. And there also is a hormone component when you have imbalanced hormones, different levels of insulin that drives your hunger and your cravings a different way. And so that can be a little tricky to navigate. But I personally didn't even realize I had binge eating disorder until I was kind of, again, in that like college space and starting to learn about nutrition. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am the perfect case study for what binge eating disorder is because I've been dieting my whole life. And I would go from dieting to giving up and just saying, you know what, like I'm going to eat whatever I want and feeling out of control. You swing back and forth between trying to control everything you're eating to feeling completely out of control and then trying to rein that back in by going on another diet. And it is a vicious, vicious cycle. And it was hard to acknowledge that in myself and say, oh yeah, I do have an issue and I need help. But as soon as I did that, again, I, I started taking those little steps and just little by little, it, it completely shifted. And now I feel very honored to be able to help other people who deal with the, the similar issues because it does, it keeps you trapped. And breaking out of that is freedom and it's beautiful. As a kid, I remember going down to like our storage pantry and I would get cans of frosting and bags of marshmallows and boxes of cookies or crackers or whatever was there. And I'd sit in my room and eat it in shame. Um, I would hide wrappers from chocolate at the bottom of the trash can so no one else would see it. And it was very shame driven. And as soon as I acknowledged that I had binge eating disorder and I told myself I had permission to eat all foods and I stopped shaming myself for eating foods, it lost its power over me. Food lost its power. And it's so ironic in a way where as soon as you give up that trying to control food, 
you're suddenly so much more in control. So it's been a journey and everyone's is different and unique when it comes to food, but it is possible to find that freedom. It's never perfect, like I said, but it gets a lot better. Yeah, it does feel counterintuitive when we tell people like, you have permission to eat all foods. And they're like, well, if I have permission that I'm just going to binge eat 10 times more than I do now, but you don't, what do they call it? Reverse psychology yourself. You're like, all right, you can actually eat whatever you want. And there's no moral judgment that's going to fall upon you based on what you eat. Yeah, for sure. It's so crazy. But yeah, the more you eat it, I mean, if you think about it, you wouldn't want to eat the same thing every single day for the rest of your life. Your body naturally craves variety. And so as soon as you open up those doors and you let yourself have whatever you want when you want it, then your body kind of regulates itself and it'll crave that variety. It'll crave consistency and our bodies are really smart. So it's just about getting back to those natural instincts that it has. Did you figure this out on your own or did you receive some kind of coaching or, or help or counseling of any sort? Yeah, I worked with a dietitian throughout college who helped me overcome some of my binge eating and she introduced me to intuitive eating. And then it was kind of cool because I was learning about it on an academic level as well as on a personal level at the same time. So it was cool to learn about it and then apply it in my life and see how it was helping me as I went throughout my education. When a client comes to you and they have just been dealing with so much at the doctor's office, like so much pain and trauma, especially because that's already kind of a triggering place. I mean, you walk in and first thing they do is weigh you and you know the nurse is often insensitive and they'll make a comment about it right away. Like, what do you tell somebody and what are some recommendations that you can make when somebody is, say, they're working with you or they're getting some kind of like anti-diet guidance on their PCOS or just their relationship with food and body in general? And I'm sure that something like that will send you to the doctor more often. What are some ways that we can like mitigate that experience? It's a lot. It's a lot to handle and it can be a scary place. And like you said, it can be very triggering, but... Learning to advocate for yourself is important. And there's a number of different ways that you do this. And it's something I work with my clients on a personal level to figure out how to how to navigate those situations. But educating yourself is an important one and knowing what you want when you walk into a doctor's office. So you can refuse to be weighed right up front. And I have even like little kind of cards I'll give my clients that say like, I don't want to be weighed unless it's for these specific reasons, or I want to be weighed blind. I don't want to see the number, those types of things. So you can set those boundaries. You're the customer, right? You're, you're the one that's being served. And so it should be on your terms and you can set those boundaries as you need. When you talk to your doctor, being comfortable and trying to ask more questions and dig deeper into things. So if they're telling you just a very like blanketed answer of, oh yeah, well, you have PCOS, you have insulin resistance, just kind of naming things off. You can sit there and ask, okay, well, what does that mean? What is the best thing for me to do moving forward? How can I seek additional help for this? Let them know where you're at in your journey and say, I'm working with a dietitian or I'm working through a past eating disorder, whatever it is, and say, I would appreciate your help in XYZ ways by not bringing up restrictive behaviors around food 
let them know where you're at and how they can help you and set those boundaries as you need because that will help make sure that you're getting the care that's designed for you. Yeah. And if they shut down that conversation, which I know that some do, unfortunately, then it's time to maybe find a new healthcare provider. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I can't even express to you how many people come to me with traumatic doctor's office experiences from being a teen or having irregular periods, getting on birth control, going to the OB for the first time. Like that was awful for me, just absolutely awful multiple times. Then with something like a chronic illness and a lot of people, you know, we're seekers, we're trying to figure stuff out. Like not only are we seeing doctors, but we're seeing coaches and wellness people and and naturopaths and and dietitians and there's just so many people to see who can often give conflicting advice about food and just things that put you in disharmony with your body with all that being said like how do you encourage your clients to tune in and come back to themselves i think you mentioned like listening to your body so what are ways to like listen to your body So there's a couple different things you can do, like with food in particular, kind of grounding yourself and trying to get back to those feelings. Like when we're born, no one's telling us when to eat or how much to eat. That's a very instinctual thing. And so trying to come back to that and think, okay, what signs does my body give me that it's hungry? How do I feel that when you're eating food, you can kind of ground yourself like using your five senses and saying, okay, how am I seeing the food? How am I smelling it? How am I tasting it? What kind of sound is there? Is it crunchy? Is it... And trying to kind of connect with it in all those different ways is really helpful. And then noticing too, like, okay, I'm starting to get full. What does that feel like? Do you feel the weight in your stomach? Does the food start to lose its appeal? How does your body kind of recognize those different things? So eating can be almost like a very meditative experience where you can connect with your body there. And then also anytime you're moving can be a really great opportunity. So if you choose to go for a walk or even if you're just cleaning around your house or intentionally maybe going to the gym to do a workout, again, taking a moment just to reflect on how is my body feeling before, during, and after? What drives you to move your body? Is it that it gives you more energy? Does it help you feel happy? Is it a, helps your mental health? And really just trying to figure out all those little details of it. So there's a lot of different areas. Even getting dressed in the morning is a moment where you can take time to like try and tune in with your body and appreciate the things it does for you. But it's just little moments, taking the time to reflect, connect, ground yourself with your body. Over time, it'll build that relationship, build that trust. Have you personally felt like this journey with navigating PCOS in a non-diety and body positive way, have you felt like that's giving you just more self-love and more appreciation for yourself? What is your self-love journey like? It has helped me grow so much. Again, I think a lot of it came from the compassion that I started to have with my body and realizing where it was coming from and why it was maybe difficult to do day-to-day things. I was so hard on myself for such a long time of like, I sleep so much. I never have any energy. When in reality, that was my body's way of asking for more rest and saying, hey, we need help because our hormones need some (laughs) to balance themselves out a little bit. 
So that really helps understanding it on like a functional level. And then also more on kind of the external side of things. PCOS can cause a lot of issues with weight gain and it can get to a point where again, you're being shamed for your body and told that if you looked a certain way, things would go away. So that builds a lot of resentment up. And I've had to learn how to love my body again. And it's come very gradually, but it started with just neutralizing things and saying, you know, who I am has nothing to do with how I look. Having PCOS doesn't make me any less worthy. And just being able to realize that however my body changes throughout my life doesn't determine the quality of life I have or who I am as a person. And then from there, I've really been able to, again, kind of slowly build that trust up and start to appreciate my body again and build a better understanding of what it does for me and love it for where it's at and know that it's never going to be perfect. And that's okay. Like I have a chronic illness and a lot of that I can't control. But what I can control is how I'm treating my body and talking to it and working with it every day. Yeah. You just helped me connect the dots between neutralizing because you you mentioned like neutralizing food and now this is like more like body neutrality vibes and I just realized that they're both about just establishing a neutral mindset and our approach towards both and realizing that we are the only ones who have the power to attach meaning to those experiences when in and of themselves they're absolutely neutral and we're the ones that judge and label things, whether it's food or our bodies, but we can also unjudge and unlabel them and maybe give them some more positive associations. Yeah. I'm all about neutralizing things for sure. And they go hand in hand, the food and the body of mostly taking away, like you said, those moral labels and realizing what you eat doesn't make you a better or worse person. How you look doesn't make you a better or worse person. There's no moral value to those things. And also, and this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but so much of what I did growing up, the way I was eating, the way I was treating my body was for other people. I was constantly trying to appease others to gain that external validation. And now my journey is so much more about me and what it can bring me and my life and my happiness. And so starting to do things for myself versus others was also a huge turning point in my life and just realizing that no one else is going to ever live in my body. This is my body and I want to feel connected to it and work with it and feel good in it. So I'm going to do those things that help me get there. Mm, I love that. I love that. To bring it full circle, kind of where we started, you don't have to answer if this is too personal, but I am wondering like, what your relationship with your mom has been like ever since you started taking this kind of approach to your PCOS, whereas it seems like she didn't have the knowledge to do so when she was in the beginning of her diagnosis. Have you been able to shine some light into that for her? Yeah, it's been really interesting because, I mean, whenever you have a parent-child relationship, it's hard to like view your child as an expert in something when that's something that you've been teaching them their whole life. And so I think it was difficult for my mom to see me as like a nutrition expert when she has been the one trying to navigate the nutrition world for me most of my life. And so we would talk about things on a very kind of, again, just like logical level and just say, 
I would tell her about research I read or things that I'm learning in kind of a detached way and try and keep it as non-personal as possible. And then as I've continued, especially with my business, PCOS Positivity, and like this becoming my career, my mom has gotten a little bit more involved and asking me, like, why do you do these things? How does this work? What success do you see with it? And so that's allowed me to open up a little bit and share those things with her. But I mean, I also realize that I mean, she is a victim of diet culture and who she is as my mother. The fact that she has struggled with diet culture doesn't change who she is as my mom. So I can recognize the harm that was there without putting that on her as a person. So it's been a little tricky. That is so, so important. Can you just say that again? So I can recognize the harm that my mom and diet culture had in my life while disconnecting it and recognizing that it doesn't change who she is as a person and her role as my mother. So it's a very nuanced thing. But again, kind of trying to have that same empathy towards her and know that, I mean, diet culture is everywhere. It's hard to escape. And so I try and recognize that and give her the same kind of compassion that I would want if I was in her situation. And we have conversations, but she also has her body autonomy. And so she's able to choose what she wants to do. And I allow her to approach me and come with any questions that she might have. Also knowing that what she chooses to do is outside of my control. So you kind of have to find that balance of boundaries and having those conversations while still keeping yourself safe and in a safe place. So it's it's tricky to navigate, but I love my mom and she supports me in what I want to do. And for that, I will always love her. That realization when it hits you that your mom is not just your mom and she's actually a human. <laughs> it's like, what are those? I'm like, what? <laughs> your life doesn't revolve around me. What a shocker. Well, this has been so lovely, Kirsten. I'm so, so grateful. And I would love for our listeners to know where we can find you on the interwebs and where can people work with you? Yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram at PCOS.positivity. And then I also have my website, PCOSpositivity.com. And there I have information about my coaching programs. And you can connect with me there on Instagram, DM, email. I'm always happy to answer questions and do what I can to help anyone who is on this difficult, difficult journey. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for your time and for serving our listeners talking about PCOS, of course, and vicious diet cycle. It can spiral you into and binge eating. And like you said, all the nuances in between. We really greatly appreciate you. Yeah, it was great being here. Thank you so much for having me. Likewise. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. 
Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscubofttea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.